Hola Matadistas, welcome to our preview as we host Napoli once again at the Bernabeu. We have a very special guest today, none other than the host of Napoli Rant, which is like the best English fan-run podcast for Napoli. So how are you doing, man, Rafael? Are you excited to get revenge against us this time? I'm, I'm very, very excited. excited. Um, I'm, I'm just, just as excited, excited as the intro, intro you gave me. Thank, Thank you very, very much. much. I appreciate you calling, calling us the best English language podcast uh, for Napoli. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm so excited, excited for, for, for uh, tomorrow, tomorrow we're recording, recording on Tuesday. Today, so, so um, uh, very, very excited, excited for the Champions, Champions League, League uh, overall, overall, all the time. time. But, but when, when we, we play, play big teams, teams like, like you know, such as Liverpool or, you know, in this case, we have Madrid. Uh, you get, you a, get a, it's, it's, it's a, it's a different, different excitement, it's a different feel, feel uh, even for Napoli, who made a name for themselves. So we still kind of regard ourselves as a smaller club, club uh, as, as, a, as, a, as a, you know, you know a club, a club on the rise, but very small. So when the bigs come around and when we go to the big stadiums like the Bernabeu, it's very exciting. So I, I can't wait. You see how Rafael was like diplomatic, you know, he didn't mention Barcelona. I want to be close. Well, I, 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 so I'm a barber in New York, and my um, one of my barbers, our partner at, at the barber shop, he's a huge Barcelona fan. He's turned Napoli fan as well. So um, I kind of like to not think about playing against each other because then there's a war in the shop and we have to shut down for days. So. <laughs> yeah, do you mean a little what? Uh, is that actual violence going on? What's that? <laughs> that yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Right? It, it wouldn't be football if there wasn't a little violence somewhere, right? Absolutely. <laughs> and how about you guys, uh, Farouk and Mo? I'll come to you uh, more first. How's it going? It's early yeah, morning I mean, for you. Still, are you awake? Yeah, you know, I couldn't miss this opportunity to talk to Farouk. You know, Farouk's greatness always rubs on me. So I'm here just to be, you know, odd. That's... And especially Osiman is coming to town, so you know his boy. Ah, that's 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 the thing, Jacob. You know, you should you know watch and learn. When you said you know we have a very special guest, I thought you were referring to me, but apparently you're referring to Rafael. Man, come on, <laughs> you've been doing this for how long, man? <laughs> oh, man? When it's just us together, you know, I always give you a good yeah, man, you should do it more publicly, man. It should have been something done in private. Everyone should be able to understand, you know, the presence and the essence, you know. Yeah, why well, these jokes about me? Yeah, it's, it's it's so good, you know, to be to be here. And yeah, it's it's a huge welcome to Rafael. And as Mo was saying, you know, it's <clears throat> it's exciting, you know, to see Osimhen finally comes to Bernabeu. Hopefully, you know, he can get to play at least, you know, to also experience the atmosphere there. If if it were up to Farouk, you know, Osimhen wouldn't leave, so. Just be careful, huh, Rafael? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Needs to be very careful. I'm actually really glad that he was uh, uh, fit and able to play. Um, you know, it was getting a little, a little um, stressful. Uh, he's been out for a little while with an injury to his leg, and uh, without really any updates on his timeline to come back. And then just before the the international break was over, it was deemed that he would be ready. Um, and uh, got a few minutes against Atalanta over the weekend, made an impact, looked fine, didn't wear his mask, which everybody was really worried about. You know, that, uh, yeah. that <clears throat> trademark mask uh, is the first game yeah. in since his injury that he hasn't worn the mask. So 
you know, Anopoli fans, uh, you know how, I, I'm not sure if you know, but we're Neapolitans are the most superstitious people on planet Earth. Um, so when he did, came out without the mask on, people started freaking out. And uh, but, but it worked out. He got a key assist to the match winner against Atalanta for Elmas and, uh, you know, very unselfish play. And, um, you know, he's back and I think he'll be starting, you know, against uh, Real Madrid. Uh, if not, he'll get some really good minutes towards the end. But, um, you know, I'm pretty sure he's very excited about that. You know uh, what? I actually realized I've never seen Osman without the mask. So I don't, I don't know <laughs> what he looks like exactly. I've only seen him with. It's mask. become a trademark. I mean, if you go to the, if you go to Naples and you, you walk the streets, and the vendors are selling his mask. You know that they they've made little masks for kids to wear and even some adults. And you know they'll put the they'll put the scudetto, which is the you know uh, the Italian championship badge, on it, and with V O nine and blue and. Um, you know, they're selling out uh, on the streets of Naples. So everyone's walking around with an Osman mask. It's very strange to, to see him without it. Uh, but I guess he feels he doesn't need it anymore. I guess he's ready to, to move on from the mask, right? When you said uh, some adults chose to wear uh, the Osman mask, do you mean you? Do you have a mask? with you <laughs> i i purchased one for my children I, I didn't buy one for myself although um i i wear these glasses so i don't know how it would have worked for me but um but yeah i got a couple for the kids for sure they have it um, they don't really wear it too much they love Aussie men but they kind of just display it on their wall so <laughs> but it's a hey, marketing genius hey, very cool very cool very cool. He's become almost a superhero for Napoli with that mask on. You know what? Uh, let's uh, before we head into the nitty gritties of the preview. Uh, I'm sure all of our listeners would love to hear a bit more about uh, Napoli rant and your journey, Raffaele, and how you became a Napoli fan. So, like a, a lot of Napoli fans, you might come across. Um, I was born into it. My father uh, is from Napoli, the the city of Napoli. You know, he's not from a town around the corner. He's not from the outskirts. He's from Naples. Um, he was born and raised in Naples. He grew up uh, right at the train station, central uh, central train station in Naples, uh, and he is um, born and bred. You know, uh, and we have. Uh, such deep roots there. Um, my parents, my, my parents came here to the States in 1973. Um, I was born 10 years later. So unfortunately, I was born here. But, uh, uh, you know, he never lost his love for Napoli, despite being very difficult to follow them in the States, uh, especially back in the 70s and 80s, right? Um, luckily enough, they moved to New York City, where um, it was you know, very Italian American, very Southern Italian influence down there. A lot of people migrated to that to that area, and um, thus creating a need for an Italian uh, television station and accessibility to an Italian radio. Um, it was really weird how, and I still don't know how they did it, but uh, you bought this like one one wooden box. It was a, it was a radio. Um, that only got the Italian uh, Rye. I'm sure you guys are familiar with Rye, um, the biggest Italian broadcaster, you know, in Italy. Um, uh, Rye had a radio station that was able to be transmitted to New York, New York or America, if you had this one, you know, box radio. 
Uh, so uh, my my dad would listen to the matches, and then the TV station was formed and was broadcasted through a local New York uh, TV station, um, and where you would get like a movie and the news every night at a certain point um, in in America or well, in New York, and then on Sundays you would be able to watch one match, one Serie A match uh, on a Sunday, usually on delay. And then there was a program called Novantesimo Minuto, which means 90th minute, uh, which showed all of the highlights to all the games in Serie A from that day. Back then, it was only played Sundays at, at 3 p.m., uh, you know, Italian time. Um, uh, so that's how we were able to, to follow Napoli, especially in the, the days of Maradona. So I'm a 40 years old. I was born in 83. So in 1986-87, I vaguely remember the first Scudetto, but I definitely remember more the Copa UEFA and the second Scudetto. I definitely remember Diego Maradona beating Milan. Milan were our biggest rivals at the time. And, um, you know, I grew up as a Napoli fan. And when Napoli, when Maradona left and Napoli was, uh, you know, sort of not as good anymore when they were um, the... You know, they, they would become mid-table without Maradona and then eventually go down to Serie B and eventually with bankruptcy. It was harder to follow because at that time, it was almost impossible to watch Serie B. So it's like you go from it being impossible to watch Italian football uh, to being able to watch Maradona and Napoli in their glory years and then not able to watch them again because they've been relegated and they're, you know, bankrupt and, and all that. So as I grew up, I was able to to like read newspapers. Uh, the uh, when when the internet started to form, I was able to like follow through the internet. But a lot of times, I would just have to like, you know, read results from a TV screen or follow like a text um, update, so, so to speak, on on matches. It was very difficult to follow. Um, but I stayed true, you know, I, 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 every year I would pick a Serie A team to follow because that's what we were given here in America. We were only able to watch Serie A. Um, so I'd pick one every year based on like transfers and who, who, you know, who, who's where my favorite Italian players or what have you. Um, but I never lost my love for Napoli. And when they came back up, it was just one of the, the, the greatest, uh, feelings ever. So, uh, yeah, I've been a Napoli fan since birth, and I'm glad to see a lot of the younger generation being able to get into Napoli. Not a lot of people, not even having roots in Naples, but um, you know, appreciating their play, appreciating the players that have come in, like Mertens, Koulibaly, Insigne, uh, Cavani earlier than that, Higuain, Marakamsic, um, right? And uh, people playing FIFA, liking how they play on on FIFA, liking how that how you know. Uh, they move on the video games and stuff like that. So a lot of the younger generation have more of a reason to follow than just being from Naples. And I love to hear stories like that, but mine is simply cut and dry. I'm born and bred into it. So um, it's a passion that's unmatched uh, for me in any other, like I always often say every sport, every team could like crumble at the feet. As long as we have football in Napoli, I'm good. I'm surprised you actually took Higuain's thing. So, I yeah I mean listen as much as I can't stand Iguain at all uh you can't deny what he did do for the team I mean he he's he scored a lot of goals um and you know uh 
tied the season. Uh, I think he actually broke the season uh, uh, record for goals scored. Uh, that was set back in the 1950s. So um, I think it was Gunnar Nordahl who had like 35. So Iguain set the record with 36. And by doing so, uh, a hat trick at the Maradona, which was a San Paolo at the time, in the pouring rain. And it was a match that I was at. So... I, uh, you know, I have to appreciate that at least. And the way he left for Juventus really, really like left a sour taste in my mouth. And I, I, I can't stand him personally, but on the pitch, he, he did his thing. It was one of those things where if he had stayed on the team, um, I truly believe Napoli would have won a few championships if he had stayed on the team. I feel the same way about Cavani and how he left. And when he left, like one more season, Cavani would have won a title. So it was always for us, it was always that, almost you know we would get to that threshold and then we thought maybe we hit the ceiling with this team and this president um so you can imagine my elation when last season we won the scudetto and um you know with essentially no names nobody you know new new faces kim and jake father Schelia, um uh you know victor ossiman was, was had emerged from you know from you know out of nowhere almost and um, you know, just players that were hungry to win, and a manager that really needed his his moment to shine as well. Um, and I'm proud to say that I was able to be in Naples for the, the the trophy lift at the at the Stadio Maradona for the last game of the season. It was just an incredible moment that I'll never forget. Sounds like playtime. Um... But uh, before you uh, actually did a, started the podcast with Napoli Run, uh, you were working with uh, Far From Vesuvius. And how did that start out? Yes. So Far From Vesuvius is a, it, it still exists today. And I am actually president. I kind of dubbed myself president of Far From Vesuvius. Uh, a bunch of my friends and I that I've met online, you know, uh, throughout the States and Canada, uh, we 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 started this um, podcast uh, called Far From Vesuvius. It stemmed from a podcast that used to be called Sempre. Um, and the people who created Sempre asked me to join. Actually, it's a funny it's funny that I'm here with you guys because it feels like a full circle moment. Um, I was asked to to join the Sempre crew right after Napoli were drawn with Real Madrid in the round of 16 of the Champions League when we last played. It was like, we drew Real Madrid. I bitched and moaned and complained online. <laughs> and then and then these people came to me and said, you know, we need someone with your passion. Um, do you want to you wanna join our, our, our podcast? So I did. Um, and so it was right there. That's when the last time we played was when, when I, I joined that podcast, they since stepped away and, um, a, a few other people joined the podcast. So we just decided to take that and, and make it, make a change, you know, revolutionize it. So we named it far from Vesuvius. We were doing really well up until COVID hit. Um, but as, as, as members of far from Vesuvius, we were able to go watch, Napoli played Barcelona actually when they came to the States. They came to Detroit. Actually, they came to Ann Arbor, Michigan. And, yeah, the biggest um, stadium. Do you, you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. And then and then they they played in Miami before that. Um, but we were able to attend the big house in Ann Arbor, Michigan as members of the press 
invited by Napoli at, at the club. So that was one of our, like, that was like our highest achievement. That was our crowning moment. We got to watch practice. We got to, you know, be in the press uh, conference asking questions. I asked Ancelotti a question and Insigne. Um, uh, I did it in Italian, so I was very proud of that. Um, we got to watch the first half from the press box, and then we ended up uh, joining the fans for the second half. We lost miserably, but it, it doesn't matter. It was preseason. We we had a great time. We met a lot of people, a lot of different clubs came, developed from that meeting, from meeting these people. Um, it was a lot. It was a big gathering, and it was wonderful. That was our crowning achievement. And then for Far From Vesuvius, uh, once COVID hit, it kind of went downhill. The, a lot of the, you know, the guys just kind of, I don't want to say gave up, but like, you know, um, it went stale. It went a little stale. So what I did was start the Napoli rant with my co-host, uh, Ralph Bizarro, and um, another one of our members ended up starting another podcast called In the Shadow of Vesuvio. And we decided to continue to put the audio onto the Far From Vesuvius platform. So now we've kind of created a network. So now what we're doing is at a current time, we're trying to pull other, like maybe other people who want to start podcasts about Napoli, try to get some diverse topics in and start a range of podcasts under this umbrella at the Far From Vesuvius Network. So I'm still involved. I'm still really passionate about it. And um, it's just, you know, it's been such a great time in my life it's been a great outlet and it's been a great way to meet people from other communities such as yourselves i've been on shows for liverpool i've been on shows for 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 frankfurt i've been on sh um, different like different 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 shows for different teams in say different like say platforms and it just is something that really i i hold dear to my heart um you know doing stuff like this as i'm sure you guys do too i'm sure the passion that you have for real madrid and for football just keep is what makes you keep doing this and more like uh, you were mentioning you actually uh heard out like uh, read a few articles from uh from the before we actually no, I, actually I, I i had seen their stuff before on twitter because like when we drew napoli i was like looking at because whenever we do a, a draw on a team i kind of like look up and see what the team is doing about it you know because sure. you don't really get the chance to watch everybody so you're just trying to find out who, like apart from the traditional media you're looking for some you know other non-traditional media so to speak to understand like what the fans are feeling about so that's how i like came across their stuff i know one guy who uh, happens to be doing one of these non-traditional media things and he used to follow these guys. So that's how I came to know about that. That's great. That's great. Yeah. And, and, and I feel the same way, you know, you want to go to the fans, you want to go to people who are, you know, who are passionate about this club and who, who feel like, you know, because you get a different aspect of it. If you're going to listen to somebody or, or read something from somebody that's in the business that has, you know, ties to the business, you know, you, you you're going to get, the political, you know, politically correct, uh, uh, if that's the correct term for it, but you're going to get like the watered down version of things. Sometimes you want to hear from the fans. You want to hear from the people that are on the streets that, uh, you know, are, are, are talking to each other that have, you know, uh, opinions that whether they be different or the same. And, and that's how you want to get, you know, uh, your sources, you want to get, you, you know, the feelings from the fans. And sometimes, the fans could be a little ridiculous and, and out there, but 
at least you know that you know it's coming from a place of feeling instead of just like some sort of a robot typing something or like you know you know talking about you know stuff that they're not maybe they're passionate about football but when you have a specific team in mind you want to get to the podcast and i do that all the time myself uh, i actually had a guy um that i talked to with with an ix podcast that lived in naples for years so we ended up started talking about rude kroll and and um you know how we appreciated each other's football um and it, you know we, we still talk today um and you build a community you build you build a, you know it becomes it becomes you know and it's it's it, you become comfortable to banter back and forth as well right um it, it's healthy it's healthy for this sport for 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 communities to come together in a positive way like this through social media through through uh you know podcasting and and video you know shows basically exactly well said you know now that you said it uh, i'm really looking forward to you know the uh, a politically incorrect version of this preview <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'll try to keep it uh I, you know i have passion so i i tend to veer off from the politically correctness so so we'll we'll, we'll uh, this will be interesting yeah speaking about which uh, let's get into the preview so napoli right now in the league not exactly doing really bad but then uh, you guys are eight points off of inter if i'm uh, reading that correctly and fourth in the league not too bad you can still play catch up and you just change coach so what's the exact feeling around uh, do you actually think you're going to miss rudy garcia at all no uh absolutely not as a matter of fact quite the opposite we were uh, i know a lot of fans who and i'm never happy for a loss trust me i never i never want to to experience loss i hate losing when napoli lose i'm depressed for a week uh so you can imagine how bad it was where we lost to empoli a team that only had at the time three goals scored uh somehow they managed two wins in the season and a draw but from three goals scored in 11 matches uh and they beat us one nil with a stoppage time goal um but normally you know and, and right before the international break uh, so instead of being depressed for one week i had to live with it through two weeks um however it was a blessing in disguise because that was the game that rudy garcia needed to win to keep his job and nobody wanted him to stay here so there was more joy from that loss knowing that rudy garcia was going to leave uh, uh he was terrible um he completely took the the machine that spalletti built and serviced for two years and turned into champions and he completely disregarded it he didn't even say spalletti's name once as a manager of napoli in a press conference he all he did was his philosophy and that's what most managers do right they come into a, a club and they'll you know put their their philosophy their gameplay their style um uh, to to play uh or at least a decent manager would recognize what was working before and maybe try to integrate his beliefs and system while making sure that the players are still comfortable playing in the old system and and, I, and not for nothing 
Carlo Ancelotti at Napoli, in my opinion, was an unmitigated failure. It was a disaster. Not that Ancelotti is a failure. Obviously, Ancelotti is one of the greatest managers alive. Um, but what he did that worked in the first season, because we had a great first season with Ancelotti. It wasn't until the second season was when Mauricio Sarri left. He implemented Sarri's game for the first half of the season. And... Napoli did great. They 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 were far. They were in second, neck and neck with Juventus. It wasn't until the the winter where Ancelotti started implementing his own you know tactics, and that's where the players kind of you know veered off a little bit. I don't think Napoli ever had um, Ancelotti type players, but at least Ancelotti had the wherewithal to say, okay, this is how Maurizio Sarri played. This is how we're gonna play. We're gonna sort of do a hybrid, and then we'll go to my system. Rudy Garcia came in and just said, you know what? Never mind what we did last year. This is what we're doing, and this is how we're doing it. And he managed to, to really sink the ship all while playing the same system that Luciano Spalletti plays. He plays in the exact same formation. He plays in the exact same system, attacking football, uh, you know, uh, wingbacks coming up and down. But for some reason, he just didn't have the wherewithal to – manage the team the way Spalletti did. He he made ridiculous in-game changes, like subbing off Kvaraschkelia with five minutes left after we've been down to Genoa 2-0. We came back to, to get it to 2-2, and we needed a goal to win, so he takes out Kvaraschkelia. Uh Subbing out Ossiman when we needed a goal, when we were behind. Subbing out Politano, who's been Napoli's best player this season so far. Um you know, and making making really bad in-game changes, not using Elmas off the bench when last season he was the highest goal scorer in the league off the bench. Um, and all of that happened with Rudy Garcia, and he was under the gun, right? When Napoli won with Rudy Garcia, it was despite Rudy Garcia, and it was all down to how the players played last season, and they took, took charge in the game and did their own thing. And the the straw that broke the camel's back for the 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 manager was that game against Empoli where it was a must win for him and he left Kvaraschkelia and Piotr Zelinski on the bench why so that they can get rest before the international break when they go off to their nations like do you do you do you understand like if Ancelotti rested Bellingham and and Rodrigo and and um uh you know it, Vinicius if he was healthy if Ancelotti made that decision to rest these guys and the 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 uh the reason he gave was so that they can rest before the international break in a game that he must win like it left everybody scratching their heads and you know it, it, that was it he was gone and now Walter Mazzari came in and uh, uh you know people were very nervous about that but it's it's for me it was a breath of fresh air that what was old is new again he used to manage us back in the early 2000s, uh, 2010s. And, um, you know, a lot of people were worried about his uh, methods and his his formation. But he came out and in his first press conference, he stated clearly, I will be playing Spalletti's form. I will be playing his, his um, uh, formation and his tactics. I've studied Spalletti. And... We win. We win against Atalanta. And things that Rudy Garcia never did once in his tenure with Napoli, 
Mazzotti did against Atalanta, and it pulled, it, you know, we pulled off a win. So, you know, I'm very happy that Rudy Garcia is gone, and I, I hope I never see his face again, honestly. He shouldn't be managing a, a football club, in my opinion. Yeah. You know, something you said really caught my eye. You said Ancelotti had tactics. You know, some people in our podcast, <laughs> Farouk, think that <laughs> think that Ancelotti has no tactics. But like, honestly, I I I have one question. Like, you know, now you're saying that Mazzari is back and he's going to go back to what Spalletti used to do. So, like, uh, how do you expect the game to be different? Like, you know, from the last like the first time we came to Naples, you know, we won three two. So, how do you expect this game to be different? Especially given that I think Napoli has some injuries. Uh, Oliveira is probably out, and yes. I think you're even missing Mario Rui, so you don't really have yes. a left back. So, how are you guys going to line up? Is it going to be Juan Jesus at left back, or you know? Yeah, I think it's going to be Juan Jesus at left back. Um, he played with Mazzotti uh, at Inter when um, when Mazzotti left Napoli in 2013. He had Juan Jesus with him there. Uh, Juan Jesus has played left back before, so I think the smartest decision would be to uh, to play Juan Jesus. There is a rumor that um, Zanoli. Our, our backup right back uh, that that Walter Mazzari really really likes him like uh, of all the players that he was able to train with while um, everybody was away uh, on international break uh, he got to know the players there he, he said that Zanoli is one of his favorites um, and the idea was to either move Di uh, Lorenzo over to the left uh, and play Zanoli at right back or, you know, just have Zanoli start at the left back position. Um, but I honestly think it'll be Juan Jesus because, uh, like I said, he's got the experience and Mazzari um, um, knows him from when he was with Inter. Now, uh, as far as how we'll play, see, here's the thing. You guys, when, when, we, when, we, when you guys came to Naples, you saw a Napoli that, did not fit the description that I just outlined for Rudy Garcia. That was during a stretch of games where Napoli really turned it up. They beat Udinese 4-0. Uh, they beat uh, another team, I forgot who, 4-1. I think it was Lecce. Yeah, they beat Lecce 4-1. Um, and they did it convincingly, and they did it in a style where we thought, okay, Garcia is letting them play their game now, right? Um, we had just lost two games. We lost the game against uh, Lazio, and we lost the game against um, uh, Fiorentina. So already we were at half the losses that we had lost last season, half the amount. So I think when we came back from that break, um, I, I want to say – that we all hoped that it was Garcia that let the team just play their game, right? And and didn't really rock the boat. But then uh, the 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 game at, after our second win, big win, was Real Madrid. And even though we lost three two, we were very proud of the team. Like the team really did a good job against Real Madrid. I think you know Napoli played great. Uh, I think b besides 20 minutes in the in the in the first half, I think it was at the end of the first half, Napoli really controlled the tempo. They they played they played their game. They got themselves uh, a penalty. They they had a really nice goal to open up. They gave up goals, but it's Real Madrid. We expected to give up goals against Real Madrid, you know. Um, but uh, in my opinion, you know. 
the game could have ended 2-2 if it wasn't for Valverde's 98-mile-an-hour fastball where, you know, Medet just couldn't control. And a lot of people were very critical of Alex Medet for that. But that's Valverde and the shot that he takes. Like, that's the quality that he provides. So there was no shame on my end anyway, and on a lot of fans' end, uh, for Napoli to lose that game against Real Madrid 3-2. Um I thought it was a very well played game, and and here we were like, okay, Napoli's back. We can accept the loss to Real Madrid. It's them, uh, but then we went right back to playing the way we did. So, um, what you saw from Napoli was not the Napoli that it wasn't the real Napoli under Garcia. So now, hopefully, we can see the real Napoli again at the Bernabeu, uh, and I'm expecting Napoli just to play their game, to play the game that they know how to play. The, the game that won them the championship last season and the game that got them to the quarterfinals of the Champions League last season. And, uh, you know, should have beat Milan, in my opinion, could have gone to the final and beaten Manchester City, in my opinion. That's no bias. I've heard fans of other teams, even in person at my shop, come in and say, my goodness, if it was Napoli in that final, Manchester City because Inter really played them off the park for a long time in that in that game and if it was Napoli they think that we could have won the Champions League which is crazy to me but um so what to expect is just passion desire and to play their game to find Osimhen to get Kvaraschelia double teamed so someone else can get open and um to to play the way that they know how to play so, do you guys have any special plans for Telegram? Because uh, that was a major undoing from last time. Yeah, uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> Bellium is... Uh, see, for me, as long as Bellium's on the pitch, we've got a problem. He He's, hands down, in my opinion, the best player in the world right now. Better than Holland, better than Ossiman. In my opinion, he's the best player in the world. Um, so, so, do we have a plan to take him out? I mean, hopefully we can stick like Natan because Natan actually has been a really good revelation for us uh, in center back, the replacement for Kim and Jay. Uh, he's been doing outstanding, in my opinion. Give him another two, three seasons, and he'll be he'll be world class. Um, so hopefully we can contain him through there. Uh, the 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 midfield, I think, might have a tough time containing him. If uh, you know, I would say stick on on Gisa on him. Um, because we need a little bit of physicality with him, but um, it's hard to say what we're going to do against Bellium because he's he. No matter what you do, I feel he's gonna come out on top. So uh, you know that's that's my opinion on that. Okay. Rafael, I have a question actually. Like Napoli released before we go on into the game. Actually, like you know, you gave us a very good breakdown of the whole team, which you know with Rudy Garcia and the return of you know Walter Mazzari and all that. But actually, one curious thing I was seeing in the summer was that. Napoli, we're constantly being linked to, you know, like with, let's say, box office coaches. Either it's, you know, uh, what's it called, Antonio Conte or like, you know, the head coach of Paris right now, you know, uh, Luis Enrique and Enrique. stuff like that. Uh, I was actually thinking like Napoli has a very young squad. Like Italy literally right now is boasting a lot of young coaches. Like, I mean, you can think of Italiano in Florence or, you know, what's he called, uh, you know, the guy from Bologna, Thiago Mota, or even mm. from Monsas or Paradini, you know. I was wondering, like, why isn't Napoli looking in that direction of people who have actually, you know, okay, I wouldn't say, like, they're in the same 
level as you know the the brighton coach or something like that but like these are people that you know at least are a step below at least in the italian atmosphere you know like why isn't napoli looking towards that you have a very exciting team and these are coaches that you know basically i think monza finished eight or seven last year they punched above you know they so, so superseded all expectations like i was wondering like why do you think like napoli is still trying to you know as you said the new the, the, all this new again and stuff like that like why not just totally like build something from scratch as a whole new project so um what i can say about that is napoli did try to go after these managers um in the summer when luis enrique didn't work out i think a plan b was supposed to be vincenzo italiano and uh he didn't want to um go back on his contract i think italiano had one more season left which is this season with fiorentina he was committed to the project and uh he turned Napoli down to, just to kind of, you know, sum it up. Um, but I would absolutely love to have Tiago Motta in as, as our manager, more so than Italiano, because look what he's doing with Bologna. They sit joint sixth, right, joint fifth right now with Roma. Um, that team is incredible. It's unbelievable to watch what, what those players can do. And they're not, there's not a superstar on that team, you know? Yeah. Um, but, but I agree with you, uh, you know, for, and I think that he, uh, when, so, so here's the deal is Walter Mazzotti, uh, is the, the, the bandaid for Rudy Garcia, uh, and he knows it and he accepts it. Uh, the deal is until June, uh, he's getting a million euro for it. And he knows that there may not be an extension involved, uh, or, or, or an offer to, you know, resign, um, he knows what he's there to do. He knows he's there for a short term. Uh, you know, if Napoli were to somehow come back, or we've already under one match with him, we've already gained two points on the league leaders. Um, if he were to come back and win something, I would a hundred percent expect there to be an offer there. However, the way the president works, I think he would lowball his offer in order to get the manager that he wants. And I think that it is one of Italiano or Tiago Motta. And I do for, for fact think that I, I, I would, I, you know, I'm hot and cold on Antonio Conte. I really would have liked Luis Enrique, but then I stopped to think, I stopped to think these managers that have managed these big teams to, you know, glory, like Enrique with Barcelona, like Zidane with Real Madrid, even to an extent with Ancelotti, I think Ancelotti needs to have a certain type of player, you know, on his roster. I think he knows how to manage men, but a certain type of men, a superstar level player, you know, that I, I really feel like this is why he went back to Real Madrid. And I really feel like that that's why he's being linked with the Brazil national team as well. He knows how to manage these players that are upper echelon. Whereas when you start to get to here or here, We've seen it with Napoli and Everton. It's not really, it hasn't really worked out. So I don't know that Luis Enrique would have been the right man for the job, even though everybody wanted him because of Barcelona in 2009 and this and that, you know, um, or, or not 2009, but he coached Barcelona anyway. Um, so in my opinion, the only way to go is to get one of these young, hipster-like, you know, revolutionary coaches where Luis Enrique, I mean, uh, um, uh, Tiago Mota had a PSG youth system playing with like, I think he said he played with a, with a seven, two, one or so, or two, or, or two, <laughs> one, seven, two, one seven. or something. Yeah. yeah. The one, two, seven. Um, 
but but it's working. Look at look at what they're doing at Bologna, right? If you if you if you actually guys if you guys actually stop to watch a Bologna match, Farouk, I'm sure you have. Um, I actually saw Bologna live twice, man. Like you're totally right. I saw the game against Inter at the Sensiro. Like it was, you, you, I mean, it was a really really like you know it was a checkmate against Anzaghi, who I consider to be like you know one level above everyone in Italy. Honestly, like it was, exactly, you know, exactly. They 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 gave Inter their only loss right this season so far, and. It's funny because actually last season when I went for the finale for the Napoli finale, I also went to Bologna Napoli. So I went, uh, we took the train up to Bologna, visited the Dalada, beautiful stadium, great people actually, and um, I sat at Bologna Napoli two two. We went up two goals, Aussie men. We went two and two nil up. They came back and tied it two two and could have had the winner. The winner was called off, but um, uh, you know we were already champions at the time. It was the penultimate game of the season. I could I could argue that our foot was off the, the our foot was on the brake heavily, but um, but still, what a team to play, man! Every time uh, that kid Zerxy too, he's he's something else. I love that he's from the from the yeah. Bayern Munich system. He's American, um, right? I think, or not? I don't. I he may have some American in him. I'm not 100 percent sure where he's from. No, no, because the, the the people here would be like frothing at the mouth over him if he was American. He's not American. Um, but you know, Bologna have a really good side, and Tiago. It's all down to Tiago Motta, in my opinion, because you don't have it. Who do you have? Orsolini, who comes onto the national team every now and then. You don't have a big player on Bologna. They just work yeah. together very hard. So, in my opinion, we need to get a coach like that. But the thing is, is that you know we did try. That's you know after Luis Enrique didn't work out, and then other managers that we were after didn't work out. We tried to go after someone like that, and it didn't happen. Uh, and it's it sucks to say this, but Luis and uh, but Rudy Garcia was like fifth, sixth, like plan plan F. You know, he wasn't really on our radar. So uh, when he was appointed the manager, it was a very very it was quite the shock to me and it was very underwhelming. It was an underwhelming shock. Um, but yeah, that's the way to go, man. Especially with a team like this, like you said, young players developing, but good hanging around top four, won the Scudetto last season. That's the way to go for sure. Uh, let's just uh, read a couple of comments before we head into the elephant of the room as we discussed before. So, uh, Tas Alipa is here. He says, how is my guy, uh, the Brazilian Rashford, doing? So he means Rodrigo. So uh, we're sure that he's actually fit, right? <laughs> Brazilian Rashford, that's the first one. The Brazilian yeah. Rafa he called? Rashford. Rashford. Oh, Rashford. Oh, my gosh. Rodrigo. I mean, it's um, an insult to Rodrigo, but yeah, whatever. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> I, I think Rodrigo has achieved a lot more in his short career than Rashford has, you know, in his entire career. So, Absolutely. if anything, I mean, Rashford should be the English Rodrigo or anything. The English Rodrigo. But I think, yeah, he, he has some knee issues, but he's probably going to play because, you know, we don't really have anybody else. Raheem is just coming back from, you know, he didn't train yesterday, he trained today. So, I don't really know. I probably expect Rodrigo to start tomorrow. So, and Sunil is also in the chat. He uh, he says uh, he used to love uh, watching Thiago Mota as a player. So good to see him taking new ground. I mean, uh, Sunil is probably Rafa's big fan, you know, because he said Bellingham is the best player in the world. Oh yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I, I I and I'm not one to praise English talent. I, I'm not. Trust me. I I think almost every English player is overrated. That's my opinion. Uh, but 
Jude Bellingham is a real freaking deal, man. I, I, I'm telling you, I, I'm, I'm not ashamed to say that at all. Like, like, you know, obviously Harry King can score goals. I thought he was a little, you know, talked about a little bit too much for no reason. Looks like he's doing great in Germany. Um, I, I, I can't stand, uh, what's his name? The English uh, defender for United. What's his name? Maguire. Oh Maguire is the most overrated player on planet earth. And uh, now I think he's properly rated, uh, cause people see through his BS. Um, but you know, in, in my opinion, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna diss too much now because they beat Italy twice. They're the first team in uh, to ever beat Italy twice in the same qualifying campaign, which is pretty crazy. Um, but um, in my opinion, Jude, Jude Bellingham, I would have him on my team over almost anybody in the world right now. Like if you were to tell me, hey, let's get rid of Zielinski and put Bellingham there, let's go. Let's do it. Wait, how about Ossiman? Would you get rid of Ossiman for <sighs> Who would I get rid of Ossiman for? Not a lot of – Holland? <laughs> uh, see, and, and, and here's my thing, and I know you're going to ask me, what, you know, the transfer rumors about Ossiman. I will not be shocked if Ossiman is transferred at the end of the season. I will not be shocked at all because to me, it was always going to happen. He was going to come here for three seasons, do his thing and leave, whether he wins a title or not. I'm really, really happy that he brought us a title. Unlike Cavani, unlike Higuain, unlike Milik. <laughs> um, he was brought, he, he was, yeah, Milik. That was a joke. He was brought in, uh, and he won the Scudetto, and I, I honestly thought that it would, that he was going to go in the summer, this past summer, and I really thought it was going to be Bayern Munich, it, Munich or United, but I thought it was going to be Munich. He has family in Germany. He's got a lot of German ties. Um, I thought it was Munich, and then they got Kane, and then I thought he was off to Saudi Arabia because they gave him they, – they offered him an astronomical amount of money. They offered Napoli an astronomical amount of money, and to my – to my surprise, both parties turned down Saudi Arabia, and uh, he stayed. and And I really admire him for that, even more now than after he won the Scudetto. He stayed with us. He's endured a lot of stuff this season, uh, personally and professionally, um, with Napoli. And I, I felt for him big time when he did. Uh, but even after all that, he you know he goes on John Obi Mikel's podcast and he praises the team still. He praises even the ex manager, all his teammates, and um, you know uh, there's a lot of heavy rumor that Chelsea are trying to court him uh, for January. And I don't think you get a guy like that in January. You're not going to pry him off of our hands in January. If he's going to go to Chelsea, it'll be in the off season for sure, in in, in the summertime. Um, plus you don't, I don't think January is the time to buy an African player that's gone to the African Cup of Nations. That, that's just my opinion. It's just the way things go. So I, I do think that he's committed to this season with Napoli and then we'll see from there. Absolutely. And Farouk, I'd like to come to you because you always follow Ossiman and whatever he is about. So do you actually think he will spring for a team like Chelsea or Man United? Because we've seen a lot of players go there and, you know, their career goes down the drain. Do you think he'll actually go to a club like that? Actually, the thing about United for now, and I will say, you know, I think whoever goes to United now is just, you know, he has, you know, his handful, even if you're good, you're bad. So that's just the thing. I mean, you can see Bruno Fernandes literally, you know, he is the highest goal, he is the highest scoring midfielder in the history of Premier League, like, I mean, in a single season. But then still they come and ask, oh, he's not a leader, he's not a captain. I mean, come on, the man is doing his job, you know. 
what else do you want? So I think, you know, with United, there's just no win. They win in there, and especially, you know, concerning the shenanigans going on around there. About Chelsea, you know, that's an interesting one, Mercy, because I think everyone knows how highly I rate Mauricio Pochettino. I think, you know, having a player like uh, Osiman honestly can transform his team because basically, like, Jackson doesn't know where the post is, man. I mean, if his life depended on it, he will die, man, honestly. Mm-hmm. But again, Chelsea also has their course with strikers, you know, since they had Didier Drogba, I think the only striker who's actually partially succeeded there has only been, you know, uh, what's he called? Um, the, the Brazilian Spanish striker from Atletico Madrid, I forgot his name. Uh, Morata. No, no, no. no Diego Costa. Uh, ah, exactly, Costa. Costa has only been the oh, striker Costa, who has, Costa. you know, partially succeeded because, like, Morata was an absolute flop as well. So that's the thing, you know, strikers going to Chelsea also is not something that I'm too keen on, honestly. But if there's anyone I would back, you know, to break the curse, I think it's, it's, it's you know, uh, DJ Rogba loving Victor Osiman, man. I think he he might be the guy to just you know eventually break the number nine course at Chelsea. But then, I mean, why am I not surprised? That's the only guy you back. <laughs> yeah, honestly, man. If there's someone I was gonna put my money on, it's gonna be me. I mean, Victor is he's, he's something else, man. I mean, even Rafael knows like they paid around six more than sixty million euros to price him away from Lille. Like, I mean, that's a lot of money for an unknown entity, you know. Like that's right. how much. Uh, uh, and the thing about Osiman is that you know. Even if he doesn't give you the goals, like, okay, he's not a playmaker like Benzema or anything, but like, he's a hard worker. Like, he's a basically a headless chicken that knows how to score, you know? So that's the good thing about it. So, I mean, Victor, like, you, you don't lose anything. Like, even if he doesn't get the goals, like, you know, the all round performance is always there as well. So, well, obviously, the, the ultimate destination, you know, is always, you know, the White House, you know, in the middle of Spain. Well, I mean, listen, either way, um, you know he's gonna get what he wants. I think. I think playing in, um, I think he enjoys playing at Napoli. He enjoys playing in Italy. Um, um, but I, I, I do believe that here in 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 Naples, um, the fans really when they see you as, like when you're a good player, you come and and you're a player of Simmons caliber. You become more than just a player. You become a son of the city. You become a god. Look at Maradona. What what, what happened with him, and players that have come and gone are, are, are similar. You know, not to quite to the statue, but Dries Mertens is beloved in that city. So is Kalabu Kulibali. So is Edinson Cavani. You know, uh, to an extent, so is Insigne. But uh, you know, uh, Hamsik, Marakamsik, even Jorginho. I mean, even even the 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 fans in Naples adore Jorginho because he adores us. So, Osiman coming out, especially in that podcast and saying the things that he said about Naples, uh, it, it'll be tough for Naples to 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 um, concede him to another club. But I guarantee you, he won't get the same passion and reaction from the fans like he this guy can't even go visit the murals of maradona because he's afraid he'll be bombarded by the fans which is true he will you know at least if he goes to london or madrid he could probably walk around the streets without you know fear that you know he'll be crowded by thousands of people as soon as someone recognizes him you know and 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 i'm not saying that you know fans of these clubs aren't as passionate as naples is because, because i'm sure they are but it's just a culture it's the culture you know where i'm pretty sure he'll be able to like navigate the city in naples you can't do that you can't do that so um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of different reasons why I know Osiman wants to go. Plus, he wants to broaden his horizons. Why do you think he turned down the offer from that he did from Saudi Arabia? Because he still got, has a lot to give, and he's got a lot of to give in other places. And, and I, 
I would at current moment I would put Chelsea just slightly above Real Madrid in a destination, just because of how Drogba was his, um, you know, his idol growing up, and he's very similar to his style. And he was on John Obi Mikel's podcast. I mean, it's funny. I told my son, who's twelve, very smart, very very smart. I said, "Hey, Aussie man was on John Obi Mikel's podcast. You want to hear it?" He goes. He's off to Chelsea. <laughs> I, said, I said, come on. That's, that's what you're going to tell me? He's off to Chelsea? I said, yeah, wait till June. We'll talk about it then. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I just was going to, you know, reaffirm that again, like, you know, back in Nigeria as well, like, honestly, like, you know, uh, the two London clubs, you know, like Chelsea and Arsenal, like Chelsea yeah. because of, you know, Chelsea because of DJ and obviously, like, Jonah B. Mikhail played for a while there as well. And right. Before Arsenal. Right. Like there is a huge, you know, because I can bet you. If you ask an average Nigerian in Nigeria who is the best player to ever play, he most likely would say Tierney Henry before even thinks of, you know, <laughs> yeah. And you know, it's a huge love for Tierney there as also because of that. Like a lot of young Nigerians, like myself, like we really, really, you know, we're more exposed to Chelsea and Arsenal. So because of this, I think yeah. like the two long clubs are way ahead of even you know Real Madrid or Manchester United if you know they're on the table. So I totally agree to Rafael. They like. London is looking like you know the next destination. Maybe maybe Arsenal if they can pull a deal together Ooh. as well. If he goes to Arsenal, we'll have problems because Napoli fans and Arsenal fans don't get on very well. We'll have a lot of problems. I'd rather him go to Chelsea. You know, it's fine. Um, I just hope that if he goes to Chelsea, he doesn't bomb like the transfers that have gone there. You know, I mean they're playing a lot better now, but I mean what a mess that was, huh? What a mess that was. Uh, you know, but I do, again, he, he's the type of player that, you know, he's not going to fall into the trap of, you know, going to a place and completely bombing. I think he's, he's that guy that gives you, if not a hundred percent, 99.8, you know, um, every game injured or not, uh, you know, he will fight for a ball. He will, he will fight for a call. He'll, he'll. He'll run to that goal. He'll he'll be, and and another thing I really admire about Austin is he's so unselfish. He is the most unselfish striker I've ever seen play for Napoli. Uh, I mean, if he has the opportunity to to score, he'll take it. And if he feels like he has an opportunity to score and he doesn't get the ball, he'll complain a little bit. But he gets over it really quick and just keeps on going business as usual. And once he sees an opening to where he knows, okay, I could either take the shot, but this guy's got a better shot at scoring. Case in point, look up the match winner against Atalanta. He'll 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 set up the goal. He'll he'll get the assist. Just he wants an assist just as much as he wants a goal because the team is going to win. And um, that's a that's an invaluable player in my opinion. So wherever he goes, they're getting they're getting a future top three Ballon d'Or in my opinion. Hundred percent. That's pretty high praise. Uh, he finished eighth. He finished eighth this season. You know, I, I, I do agree with you. It's Victor Rosman, and he's supposed to be top two or top one. Like I mean, I mean this is not the Nigerian but on the first part, so you know, he can <laughs> absolutely. Like, well, he's gonna get a, he'll get African African Player of the Year. I don't think uh, African Player of the Year, right? The last African Player of the Year uh, that was a Nigerian, I think he said, was like back in nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, so, I think it. I, I think mean, it was Kanu was the last one actually. Yeah, I think yeah. Kanu was the last one. Mm-hmm. Um, before we head into the lineups, uh, Tasi Lupa has a question for you, Rafael. So he asks, 
uh, Victor Osimhen's injury record and whatnot. Uh, so how long is he out for the Afcon as well? Besides the price tag and the injury record, I think he will be a better fit than Mbappe for Real Madrid. Ooh. Um, so what was the question? How long is he out? Yeah, it's, uh, he's basically asking if the Afcon happening every year and uh, if we if uh, along with this injury record, is that a big worry for any potential team? No, Afcon is uh, what every two or three seasons. Every two years. Every every two years, mm -hmm. and sometimes it's played in the summer, depending on where the host is uh, in in Africa. Um, you know, it just so happens that Africa is a it's a big desert, right? It's a it's a it's a hot country. It's a hot continent, uh, and if you're gonna play in southern or mid Africa, it, it's got to be in the winter because it's too damn hot. Um, but I do believe there are some um, tournaments that end up in the summertime. Uh, wasn't the last one in the summer? Uh, I'm actually, not so what, what what happened actually, Rafael, there is that like actually you know normally it's played every two years and normally like traditionally it has always been in the winter months, as you said, because like Africa is a you know quite hotter content compared mm -hmm. you know rest. So because like, it's always been in the winter, but then what happened was like they switched to play every three years, and then COVID gotcha. happened. And then again, like when they switched to play every three years, like they actually switched to, okay, we're going to play in the summer, but every three years, like, but Got then it. COVID happened and then like, it just messed everything up. And then also like the, you know, organizers of the AFCON, like CAF, it's like the shittiest thing, like we four here will run a better show than they're doing. So like, you know, even who's going to be the host is not sure, you know, today it's these guys. And then you all of a sudden see the tournament is played somewhere else eventually. So yeah, it's, it's a bit of a mess, but at least for now, like, for the foreseeable future, it's just going to be back to what it was in the past of, you know, being run in the winter every two years. And it runs from January to Feb, if I'm not mistaken, the end of January to the, you know, the, the first weeks of Feb as well. If your player goes all the way, obviously, but if they don't, mm -hmm. so, uh, they, they come back home soon. And I have no problem with it. I mean, I'm all for international football. I'm a very big fan of it. And, um, you know, you can't help where you are in the world, right? This is just how it is. You, you can't play the tournaments in the summer, so when are you going to play them, right? You got to play them during the winter. And, uh, you know, player teams that take on African players, uh, they have to understand that there's a, the aspect of the AFCON. So w when Osimhen leaves, that, that's what happens, you know, uh, to the next, the next uh, the destination that he's at. That's one of the things you have to take into consideration. You're going to lose him during the month of January and maybe into early February, but you'll have him back before the Champions League starts again, you know? So, so it's one of those things where... Um, it's annoying. It's a nuisance. And, um, the, the fact that he was out injured for as much as he was really kind of adds to that a little bit, but you know, we're going to have to figure out a way to, to go on with, without Ossiman for, uh, you know, a month and not only Ossiman, but Angisa too with Cameroon. And we had to do it when we had, uh, Fauzi Gulam. We had to do it when we had Khalidu Kulibali. We had, we had, we just, we had to, deal with it adam unas we had to deal with it and we've done it before it's nothing new um but you know it's it's a it's a blow but at least we have raspadori and simeone to to cover and um you know i i definitely last season when ossie was out injured for the the spell that he was out i think it was like eight games we 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 won every game uh, this season a little different, you know, we struggled a little bit, but I don't think it had anything to do with the quality of the players up front. It had everything to do with who was our manager. So um, we've proven before that we can win if Ossie not playing. That's fine. 
we can do that again under Walter Mazzotti. Um, but yeah, I mean, the AFCON is what it is. And, and you know, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll quote uh, a journalist that I read when, um, you know, uh, the, the Napoli uh, owner came out last season and, and said something about African players. Don't buy African players, you know? That's just the way it is. You want, you want, you don't want to deal with it. Don't buy an African player. That's just how it is, you know. Uh, but the thing is, is the quality of the African player, especially now. I'm not saying that we haven't had quality African players because we have all through the history of time. But now there's so many great African players. You've seen, uh, you know, an African team in the semifinal of the World Cup finally, you know. And and I think going forward, we're going to see more of that. And I think it's wonderful. Um, and the African Cup of Nations need to be taken seriously. You understand that when Koulibaly won the AFCON uh, and came back to Naples, he was proud to have captained Senegal to an African Cup of Nations, right? I liken it to when Maradona won the World Cup, came back and won the Scudetto. I liken it to like any player that wins internationally and is happy comes back and brings that positivity to a team. So if Victor Osterman could go to AFCON and win the whole thing and then come back to Naples and finish out his season and possibly his Napoli career with the AFCON with him, he'll have won the Scudetto for Naples first time in 33 years, and he'll have won the AFCON for Nigeria first time in, you know, who knows how long. And that only breeds positivity in my opinion so i'm all for it i hope they go f as far as they can and comes back with uh, much stronger ready to fight absolutely that's a great point you just bring back that winning mentality and which is what you want uh, especially heading into uh, the later stages of the champions league and whatnot exactly right absolutely so yeah, uh, so Rafael, you know we have a bunch of injuries. We're missing, we're missing Vinicius. We're missing a couple of players in the middle of the park as well. We're missing Kavinga, Chaumeni. In defense, we don't have Militao as usual uh, from last time, and Koto as well is missing. So do you think uh, you guys are actually gonna change any of your lineups considering all of the injuries? Maybe thinking you have a tactical advantage anywhere. No, I think the lineup is going to stay the same because our lineup, our best lineup can be any team in the world, in my opinion, um, with the right person steering the ship, obviously with Rudy Garcia, we couldn't beat you know, Empoli. But um, if we, if we play to our best of our ability with the, the lineup that we normally play with, obviously without Oliveira or, or Mario Rui, we have to make shift the left back position. So that might be a target that Real Madrid wants to expose there. Um, aside from that, I think we play, you know, the full 11, uh, Meret in goal, uh, uh, Di Lorenzo on the right, uh, Rachmani in, and Natan in the middle. Uh, obviously, like I said, Ron Jesus on the left. We have Angisa, um, uh, Angisa, uh, Zielinski, and um, uh, Loboka in the midfield. And then Politano, uh, Kvaraskeli, and Osimhen. That's where I, that's the 11. I think that's pretty cut and dry. Uh, I would really have liked for Bellingham's injury to be a little more severe to uh, he missed this game. Um, and like I said, with, with Bellingham on the pitch, I don't think Napoli have a chance to win the game. Maybe a draw, maybe, but um, we'll, we'll see. But I think Napoli don't make any changes to their their uh, their, their approach. I think they have to play the game that, that won them the title. Absolutely. 
and farooq uh, so last time round it was all up to rodriguez tactics uh, antics you know to actually stop osim and he was the only man standing against him and obviously he has to start but then uh, he needs some help right do you think uh, nacho can actually start this game to help him out or alba walks right back into the lineup Yeah I think you know Alaba has been rested and he's got in his rest so I think he he slots right you know alongside uh, Rudiger in this game again uh this is the way I see because as you know Carlos said like you know it was the decision either to rest him or to rest Rudiger and then they made a decision to rest Alaba because they needed the aerial presence of of Rudiger for the last game so I just think you know it's more of the same for Tony Rudiger and you know David Alaba replaces Nacho uh in the CB position and of course uh we have no other choices in terms of uh, wing backs so we have mendy and uh, realistically we have carvajal as well uh, and then in midfield uh, do you see any changes more i mean i i, I think uh, ancelotti in his press conference also said that he's going to give priority to fran garcia for tomorrow so i don't really know if mendy is the one starting or probably fran comes off uh, on as a sub but uh, in the midfield i think it's it's pretty interesting because like we got a lot of people out right we don't really have you know uh, modric germany kamavinga like you already pointed out so i think it's probably going to going to go with the uh, cruz uh, valverde and you know probably bellingham uh, ceballos maybe i don't know if you're just throwing names out there but yeah honestly for me i think this game is pretty a lot more important for napoli than it is for us because we are already through the knockouts and we need like a point to finish top So the way I see it if it was up to me I would probably rest everybody and you know, just bring on the Castilla guys but you know Theo Zidane is in there maybe play him everybody will melt that would be a sight to see so but you know that's not going to happen uh, under Ancelotti so I think it's going to be the big uh, the senior players playing in the midfield and attack right um so no changes yeah uh, do you think uh, Ceballos is fit enough to play uh, or we have no, I, I don't know 4-3-3 Uh, I don't think Ancelotti is going back to a 4-3-3. I think it's really going to be like the 4-4-2 diamond thing that he's doing. So for me, I think if he can't play uh, Sabayos, he's probably going to be, you know, he's going to innovate and do some tactical things that, you know, Faru doesn't think he has in the box. But probably, you know, push Bellingham and bring in Brahim and play him at the tip. So, you know, I think uh, the Castilla guys who've been called up are probably going to come off the bench. Uh, I don't really expect them to be starting or anything, so. If he starts Mario Martin I think I'll be pretty happy. But then you mentioned about the fact that Brahim was still didn't like trained once. Yeah 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 the thing is like Brahim didn't train uh, yesterday but he's trained today so you know I don't know because it, it, he didn't really have an injury right he he had an upset stomach. So I uh, probably he's uh, the Brahim has a propensity of not finishing 90 minutes we already talked about this before as well. So yeah. you know start him you know play him like 50 60 minutes and then you know change something and i think brahim already has a good record against napoli uh, probably after like bad memories from just going to point out to that season. yeah i was just going to point out to that brahim has a great record against napoli he really did a good job against them in the champions league quarter final last season uh beat them down at, at the maradona 4-0 uh in serie a it was the worst <laughs> funny we had the best season we've ever had uh um in the same season we've had the worst loss that we've ever had in San Paolo in the era of the owner ADL so um it was all due to Brian Diaz and that Milan side so i actually have a projected lineup here from Real Madrid and he's in it so um i i think i think you'll see him play i think Ancelotti realizes that Diaz knows Napoli a bit so um you know if he's an option he'll be on there so 
Yeah, and I think we have a lot of injuries, so probably him starting wouldn't be a surprise. Like you guys mentioned, probably Sebastian isn't fit for a full 90, so, you know, maybe he brings him in. Hostel Rodrigo up front. Right, so it's going to be pretty much, a, instead of a diamond, it's going to be a box similar to what we saw at Cadiz. The pivot of uh, Valverde and Cruz, and then... Uh... Rahim and I, I, I think the thing is like this, you know, we, we t tend to get too lost up in like, you know, if it's going to be a diamond or a box or whatever. The, the thing is like, we already know how Real Madrid defend is going to be in a 4-4-2, four, four, you know, flat 4-4-2. Four, four, and when it's attacking, you really know where everybody's going to position themselves. I think Brahim did well last season against Napoli, like playing off of the right. So with Bellingham there, probably, you know, push Brahim to the right side of the, uh, of the pitch. And have them play there in those half spaces and you know exploit whatever um, uh, Napoli is missing, especially the fact that they don't really have a proper left back. You know, and our attack is like it gets lopsided without you know, with only Carvajal on the right, and without Vinicius Rodriguez and like doing the job on his right. So we could probably have Brahim playing off there, absolutely. And yeah, uh, so what's, like this, what's the situation with Rodrigo though? Like, is he? Like, you know, we dimension. Yeah, he, the thing is, like, Rodrigo has knee issues, right? He he wasn't supposed yeah. to start on uh, over the weekend, but because of the Brahim thing, he had to start. He played well, I think. Uh, for me, I was having this conversation with somebody on Reddit yesterday, and the fact that, like, for me, I wouldn't want uh, Ancelotti to playing Rodrigo or Fede Valverde, you know, or Bellingham, because Bellingham is still coming off with a shoulder injury. We aren't really sure how fit he is. With Rodrigo, we know he has this knee injury that's been playing, uh, like carrying for a long time. And with Fede, I think he's played like almost every minute of the, of the season. So all these guys are like at increased risk, and I don't really want Ancelotti to be risking further injuries. And like I said, this game isn't important for us. So for me personally, I wouldn't want them to play tomorrow. I think Rafa would be pretty happy if they didn't play. But, you know, I think with Ancelotti, you know, I think Farouk has the right of it. We, we know what he's going to do. So, you know. The seniors are gonna play. The older you are, the more minutes you get. <laughs> yeah, I guess that just leaves the goalkeeper spot, which also we don't have any options, right? Uh, Kepa is still out. Yeah, Kepa is still out. I think Ancelotti came out and said, as long as Kepa is back, he's gonna. You know, when Kepa is really playing, a lot of people like kind of got angry about it because I think Luna has done a decent enough job. Uh, I, I heard some reports from some Spanish media saying that the players weren't happy about it because you know. Uh, they didn't really like the statements Ancelotti made in public. Uh, but the thing is, like, you know, you, we know Ancelotti. And I think, uh, personally, the club has some doubts about what kind of form Kutua comes back when he does come back. So I think having Kepa is back at this better than having Luna. Absolutely. And, you know, we've had this issue, uh, Rafael, uh, for all this while. We always have to win. It's Real Madrid. It's in our DNA. We can't really give a lot of minutes to our young players or our academy players. How are you guys managing it? Uh, do you feel like you guys have any exciting talents coming up at the academy? The problem is, is I think the exciting talents that have come up um, already and that are either on the squad or loaned out, I think that's where it ends. Uh, Napoli, to me, don't have many exciting prospects in, in their youth. That's one thing that they actually don't pay too much attention to, uh, and I wish they would, um, because for for the brilliant scouting that they have, uh, and, and in my opinion, Napoli are second to none when it comes to scouting talent from outside. Uh, they bring in players and turn them into world-class athletes. I mean – um, they don't have the same abilities in the uh, youth squad. They're in they're in Primavera too. Um, they're not even in the like Serie A Primavera, um, like which is the the youth division. Um, 
they got relegated last season. They only missed relegation the season before that on penalties to Genoa. Um, and traditionally, they're not a good youth team. Um, they do produce some talent right now. You have uh, a couple of players scattered throughout City A, City B, uh, playing on first teams. Uh, and on our squad is Gianluca Gaetano, who is a product. Uh, actually, Zanolia also is. Uh, and Zerbin. They're on our they're on our squad right now, but um, uh, uh, aside from that, I think our 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 next best uh, uh, prospect is a guy named Coli Sacco, who was in the Milan uh, youth system, uh, got signed to Napoli's youth system, and uh, really did well. Uh, did well with us in preseason as well, but got loaned out to uh, I th- I believe a City of B squad. Uh, there's another guy named Michael Fuller Fullerunsho who's playing with uh, uh, Verona right now. And um, another guy, Wally Kadera, uh, who was with us, and he's actually on the Morocco national team. Uh, um, uh, I don't know if he went to the World Cup or not, but um, he's he's on loan to uh, uh, Frosinone as well. So you know the, the 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 exciting youth players that we have have been called up already. Uh, there's not not a single name that I can think of right now that is uh, a talent from the from the youth squad. So. You know, we rely on uh, talent, uh, sc- scouting talent from outside, from like you know, you know Turkey or Georgia or you know uh, even um, even within Italy and and within you know Spain. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean that's you know we're we're really limited in that aspect. I, I think that's an issue that's pervasive throughout like Italian football. I think none of the big clubs really have this youth uh, no, no. policy that to help bring players forward and i think italian football on the international level like kind of suffering for it with that being said milan did just um field a 15 year old right he's now the is youngest player to what's that is that even legal <laughs> is it legal i mean he'll be 16 in march so maybe i don't know <laughs> they, they had to get um, a special permission to field them actually they have to get yeah they have to get a permission slip from the parents you know well, actually, um, I kind of think like the problem with the Italian national team is not about lack of talent. I think it's about the fact that like, they don't have attackers. Because, for example, you got, you know, one of the most promising defenders in Italy right now is Calvadini from Atlanta. I think he's 20 yes. or 19. He came yes. from the, you know, era of Atlanta. So, you know, you look at even from Inter as well, like, uh, what's the name of the guy with white hair? Uh, DeMarco. Like, DeMarco basically DeMarco. was a fan who, you know, was watching with the Culver Sudden. You know, no, basically no, uh, Farouk, I get that. Happens. But the thing is, like, there's no real pathway for Italian, like, you know, in Italian football for youth players to come into uh, the first team. Like, you know, the thing is, like, you were talking about uh, DeMarco, but it, did DeMarco go from the Primavera to directly to the first team? He did not. He had to go on a ton of loans before he even got the chance. But I think in Spanish yeah, but, football... But that's the point, but because the, the point is, like, is even Spanish like, football, for example... Barella, for example, as well, like he didn't come from Inter, like he came from, you know, I forgot the name of the team he came from, but anyways, like, you know, he went there, he played a couple of years and then he moved as well, you know, you can look at Sandro Tronali as well, you know, even Verratti as well, like, I do think they produce players, but the problem is that they don't produce attackers anymore, that's just the issue, I think, because in my I, opinion, I think the thing is, like, they don't really have a proper pathway for these players to get opportunities at a higher level, to be exposed to a higher level of competition that, you know, helps them develop their skills and in turn helps uh, Italian football. I think when you compare it with like, the likes of Spain or Germany, these guys really have a pathway, you know, at Real Madrid probably we shouldn't be talking about developing new talents because, you know, we, we, we have our own issues. 
But the thing is, like other clubs in Spain, when you look at Barcelona, you don't really have to admire them the way they have brought their players, you know, forward. Even at Real Madrid, you know, even though we don't really have a, I mean, I there's not a youth body that I would, like be proud of. But the fact is, like we are fourth in terms of you know players from our own academy playing for our minutes in minutes played, you know, across the big five leagues in Europe. So I think when you compare it to teams like Spain and it, uh, Germany. Italy tends to lag behind. So that was my point. And I think these teams have benefited from it, you know, because like Spain and Germany, even like, even though Spain is like going through lean years and Germany's probably in a bad patch right now, but even then these guys have had successes. And whereas like Italian football, you know, uh, they won the World Cup in 2006. And then ever since then, I think it's been on a gradual decline, you know, and like for the powerhouses of the world football wants to win, miss the World Cup, I think it's like, it's pretty shocking, right? Twice in a row is even more shocking. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree with what you're saying. Uh, I, I do think that there is talent in the youth system in, in Italy widespread. It's just in Napoli, there's not. <laughs> um, uh, but, um, you know, I, I, you know, lately, and I, and I don't have the exact outcomes, but I know that they won, I think they won the under 17 Euro. They went to the final, the under 20 World Cup. Um, uh, I know that they're actually very um there are, there is a lot of very good talent out there for italy but like farouk said the strikers or, or or maybe you said it mo the strikers is, is that's a big issue in italy there's not a lot of you know pure number nine strikers like a christian vietti or like a you know uh um luca tony what he did <clears throat> even in inzaghi where like you know you can you know he's he's a he's a number nine uh you know he there's not a lot of good ones so it's very rare very few um that's something that that italy as a whole needs to work on for sure but as far as the team goes i think they're very talented and and and, and i think they, they can do well in the euros if they really kind of stick together the way they did in 2021 under mancini and plus they have spalletti you know who who <laughs> you know is is a manager that's going to get the best attacking you know uh he's gonna get the best attack out of the team and and he's gonna have these players playing till you know they can't move anymore and and that's something good for for italy So, yeah. uh, uh, just, just one question I want to ask. Uh, I think Golini was the one who played in goal for Napoli over the weekend. So do you expect yes. him to start or is it going to be Merit? Uh, well, so Merit is fit and available. That was the decision that Mazzari made was to play Golini. I think that decision came because Golini knew Atalanta. He was with them for quite a bit of time. Um, and, and and Atalanta haven't really changed. They may have changed players, but they haven't really changed the system of play and how they play. And he knows Gasparini very well. So I think that that was semi-tactical from Golini. Golini did play against Empoli, the game that we lost uh, under Rudy Garcia's final game. Uh, but that was because Medet was out with an injury. Medet is fit now and was on the bench for the, for the game against uh, Atalanta at the weekend. I do see Medet playing. Uh, I just think that the experience in the Champions League is um, going to outweigh Golini's. Uh, mind you, if, if we're you're to have a, a a backup keeper, I think Golini is a perfect backup goalkeeper um, because he can start on half the teams in Italy as well. You know, uh, like big teams anyway. Um, but uh, I think it's going to be Meta. I do. Um, 
I just think he has just a little more experience in this, you know, field in this, uh, you know, high pressure environment than Golini does. So I think it's going to be him. Fair enough. Yeah, let's let's go to the predictions, guys. We've been rambling on and on for a while now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let's go with you, Rafael. What do you think is going to be the outcome? I get to go first, huh? All right. Um, <laughs> I, I'm going to say 2-2. Um, I think despite the uh, despite the injuries that Real Madrid face, they're going to score goals on Napoli. I, I think Napoli need to really work on uh, restoring the defense that they had last season. Um, not that they're not a good defense, but I think that Real Madrid is just a class above. And... Um, We'll find a way to score, whether it's Rodrigo with an injury or Bellingham with an injury or Valverde with an outside-the-box uh, long-range shot. Um, they're going to find the net. Uh, so two goals for them. But I do think Napoli are uh, uh, eager for this match, and their away form has been far much better than their home form this season. So... I think that you know, and and the pressure may be on for Napoli, but the realist, the real, the the realistic um, scenario here is that Napoli could also lose this match and still make the knockout stages of the Champions League. Uh, if Union Berlin could find a way to win against Braga, Napoli could lose against Real Madrid and they'll be in the knockouts. Um, and all we really need is a point to seal our, um, you know, knockout stage, because if, um, if Braga don't get a result, um, or if, if, if Braga don't know, I think if Braga tie and we tie, I think we're also in the next round. So there's a lot of scenarios here where Napoli can reach the next round and, and render the last game against Braga, um, you know, uh, pointless, um, but, uh, you know, uh, like you guys said, Real Madrid don't really have, you know, they only need one point to secure the, 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 um, the group. And even if they, even if they don't win today or tomorrow, um, they'll, they'll secure it against Union Berlin in the last game of the, of the, of the knockouts. So I think they pretty much wrapped up the groups, the, you know, the, the top spot of the group. Um, so I think, I think with the pressure being off Real Madrid, Napoli could really, you know, possibly come out with a result here. I'm not going to go ahead and be bold and say they'll win, but I think a 2-2 is, is sufficient in my opinion. And where are the goals coming from? Ossiman is going to bag one. It's going to be Ossiman and Kwadashkelia. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ossiman and go and hug Guti on the sidelines. Yeah, don't forget. I don't. I don't think Ossiman was available for the Real Madrid game for the first game. I think uh, he was there. He was. He was, was he, he there? Yeah. yeah. Oh, he was there. He just was. He wasn't. Was a Rudiger masterclass. <laughs> he, he did. Yes, it was a Rudiger master. You're right. Yeah, that's why I didn't remember him being there. Is because Rudiger was just all over him. Had yeah, he, he was hit in Rudiger's pocket. So you know, he didn't yeah. get to see it. I think. I think he. I think he. Listen, the mask is off, so the pressure's off. I think he's. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna get his goal at the burnabout. The mask is off, and the powers are off too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know. Not not against Atalanta at the weekend. It, it didn't happen there. So we'll see, guys. We'll see. I'm hoping for a draw. Um, but listen, when you you're playing Real Madrid, 
you, you expect to go in there, you expect to lose. That's just the way it is. Um, so I will be very happy with a draw. Very happy. All right. Farouk, you want to go next? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll go with Rafael as well. You know, like, it's a, just a draw, you know, a 2-2. It's, I think it's a fair result. Like, you know, we get the point we need to go through. Like, they get a point that all but secures the, you know, passage to the next round as well. And where I will disagree with him is when you say, you know, it's Kavara and Osimhen, but I will go with, you know, it's just the victor show. The mask is off, you know, the, the reborn mm, Osimhen. Two. Finding out, out of Tony Rudiger's pocket, you know, to, to, to dazzle the people in the White House and make them understand, you know, the value of a true number nine. Basically, just you know, an audition for what's going to happen over the past next ten years. If we don't a preview, you know, or a trailer, if you want to call it that. He he looks good in white. That is for sure. Definitely. Arun should know he's always partying with him. You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, personally, I don't, I don't really know because the thing is, like, I, I think we, we won't have the same intensity that Napoli does because, you know, it's, it's an important game for Napoli, no matter how, you know, Raf tries to spin it, but it's still an important <laughs> game for Napoli. So I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Napoli pulls off an upset, you know, and uh, Faru gets his wish and Victor Osimhen scores two goals and, you know, Jose Lu answers with one back for us. But uh, <laughs> the, the point where I would disappoint Farouk is I don't really think Osimhen is coming to Madrid. So, yeah. Yeah, of course, I know, but the point is, a boy can dream, and you know, as the Turkish they say, you said, like, you know, like, the, 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 the food of a poor man is, you know, hope. So don't take away the hope from him and let me keep dreaming. You know? I, I mean, I, I don't really think that applies to you, but it's for a poor man, not you. <laughs> for me, I'm, I'm going to be optimistic, guys. I'm, I feel like Trudiger, again, he's going to have the number on us even. Uh, like it or not, and I mean, I mean, how do you guys think if and, you know, Ancelotti pulls up a surprise and doesn't play Carvajal and Rudiger? Will probably bring on Lucas and you know, uh, that's Alaba and Nacho together at the back. I think uh, Rudiger will be a, a very big surprise, but I think for Carvajal, honestly, like I, I kind of feel like he's not gonna play. Like I just personally have that feeling that he's not gonna play. But then the issue also is like playing. Uh, if Frank Garcia starts on the other hand as well, maybe that, you know, forces the hand to play Carvajal. I don't know, to kind of like a check and balance kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But I, I, I you also have to keep in mind the fact that the mid, uh, I think the weekend game is against Granada. So you just have to be careful there. And, you know, Girona uh, drew yesterday. So we finally have the lead. I think it's important to keep that going as well. Exactly, that's the point, you know, because uh, as we mentioned in the in the previous, uh, I think the post-match, the point is, you know, the Champions League basically is done till February, you know. The point now is that we have to be able to, you know, uh, gain the points that the opponents have dropped and, you know, Granada's dropped the points, we're back to the top finally again, you know, we need to stay there, you know, because uh, in my personal opinion, I don't think Granada is, you know, uh, is, is, is a real, you know, contender. I think they're more of title pretenders in that sense. So we need just to, you know, be wary of what what's gonna happen or what isn't happening. So we have to try to maintain as much. We have to try to gain as much points as we can. And if that means resting our key man, definitely. And yeah, for me, I, I'm just gonna say it's a, gonna be a one nil, uh, especially because it's Lunin's last game probably for the foreseeable future. So in order to like uh, please his future employers, he's probably gonna have the game of his life. 
I don't know why the whole Looney thing became a big drama, honestly. I really just don't know. I honestly, like, you know, I'm thinking, like, is it like, you know, a reincarnation of Thibaut Courtois, like, you know, did Alison all of a sudden transform into, I don't know, man. Like, I mean, I don't get what the force is all about. Like, it's not like he's been extraordinary. Like, he's just been basic, like, nothing more than that. I mean, come on. The thing like, is, is that basic, uh, basic, regular, like lesser known goalkeepers usually tend to have Gianluigi Buffon performances against Napoli. So I would expect that too. So maybe I should change it to the 2 0 Real Madrid <laughs> just because you just said that Lunin is, 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 uh, you know, he's up for, he's going to be up for it. No, no, I'm going to keep it at 2 2. But I, I do want you to, I, I do want you to, if he has a worldie, then I'm not surprised at all. <laughs> That's just the way it is. Fair enough. All right. Uh, so I guess that wraps up uh, our preview for today. Do you guys have anything else to add? Uh, all right. I just want to thank you, Jacob, you know, for the good job that you're doing today. Yes. You thank went you to the office, much. you know, sacrificed a lot. So. <laughs> Yeah, I'm actually yeah. expecting in the office. Someone turned off the AC as well. So it's India. It's, it's oh. here inside. <laughs> oh, man. Anyways, uh, let's wrap it up. Uh, thank you, guys. I see there's six of you here in the chat already. So if you're new here, don't forget to subscribe and hit the like button as well because we really do need the likes. And stay tuned for the post-match and the watch-along. So Doris is going to be doing a watch-along for the Napoli game. Stay tuned for that. Keep our company, you know, crack some good jokes and stay tuned for the post match as well. Uh, along with that, do check out our Instagram and our uh, Twitter and stuff because we are going to be putting out match day footage. Uh, Sid is going to bring you all of that stuff from the Bernabeu. So stay tuned for that. And yeah, I hope Rafael also uh, that we see you on good terms also next time we meet. Absolutely. This has been uh, a lot of fun. You guys are really great. And um, I would love to come back on even when we don't when we don't play just to talk about anything. I mean, maybe if we want to do a classic, I can pull my friend uh, next to me and we can both uh, we can both come on here and, and talk smack to you guys. Um, but no, good luck tomorrow. I think it, it's going to be a great game either way. And uh, good luck the rest of the season. Um, and uh, you know, I look forward to to this game, and I I, I really appreciate you guys letting me on to, to talk about it because uh, um, you know, meet like I said before, meeting people this way is something that I'm very I don't take for granted at all, and 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 you know, making some connections is always great. So um, you know, and appreciate. Are you, you guys. gonna be doing a post match uh, for the Napoli game as well? I should be yes. Um, I've I've got some equipment issues right now. I'm trying to work through, uh, but uh, I should definitely be posting something somewhere. Uh, check out Far From Vesuvius uh, on all of your podcast platforms wherever you get your podcast, um, because that's probably where it will end up. Or you can visit um, the Napoli Rant uh, on Instagram or X, uh, which is Twitter. Uh, I call it Twitter, but um, uh, check check those out because we'll have we'll definitely have some post match stuff in both of those platforms. Yeah, you heard it, folks. We have all the links down in the description. Uh, do give uh, Rafael some love as well. So yeah, you know what to give. Say Farouk and Mo. Let's go. Hello Madrid. Yeah, before I say Hello Madrid, I you know Jacob really looked like you know dropping some di dimes, you know, with this whole rap thing. But yeah, Hello Madrid. <laughs>
Hello, Matteo. Rafael, you can feel free to say whatever comes to mind. You know. Ciao, guys. Forza Napoli sempre. Excellent. <laughs>